let's start again and pretend that uh, I'm a professional. I know that you are. The name of the book is... <laughs> Don't step on my line. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, Nothing is wrong in Here is Why, Essays by Alexander Petri. And the name kind of says it all, doesn't it? Because it's, uh, it's very positive uh, about something very negative. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Almost pathologically so. Yeah. Which I think in some ways you do have to be sort of, something has to be broken in your mind in order to look at what's going on and think, ah, things are going well. Yeah. That's, if I had to describe things and how they were going, I would say very well and yeah. absolutely I have no concerns or feedback. Um, just five stars across the board. And if you feel that way, I was trying to be like, well, this book explores the concept of what might be wrong with your thinking. Right. Um, and, but also sometimes it's just like, it's nice to try to look on the lighter side of things. It's like, well, maybe, you know, Paul Manafort wasn't doing anything sketchy with his money. Maybe he just <laughs> is very awkward and loves to buy carpets by mistake. Like, I've, you've all been upsold when you walk into a place and they make you feel like you really are a connoisseur of furniture. Right. And you should be leaving with six, you know, anti-macassars. I've... I, I don't I, even I, know. I don't know what those are. Those are like quilts or something. Sheets. They're like, they're like the never had sort one. Of doily things that go on the back of a chair, like an old time chair, because they're for, to protect oh, against okay. the acid oil that you have. Yeah, is that <laughs> what you have over your chair there? That's I see something slung over your your chair. Your yeah, no, that's just that's just unfolded laundry. Is what that is. <laughs> Which I don't think Manafort ever had on, on his chairs. The question the is, did they, let him wear, did they let him wear the suits in prison or not? You know, because he spent a lot of money on thousands, tens of thousands, or even hundreds on his suits. Could he wear them in prison? I don't know. I feel like, like when you're packing, that, that's not a priority. But maybe, like, especially that ostrich. I feel like whatever he did to get that ostrich jacket, the ostrich <laughs> family, the ostrich, everyone affiliated with that have gotten more than ample revenge on him now. Yeah. Um, they, sh they should have left the beak on it, though. That would have been just really cool. <laughs> they say, well, very good. But yeah, it feels like that's also just like eons ago, simultaneously, that I know it's like, I don't know. No, it can't be more than two years ago. And yet yeah. it feels like the Cenozoic. Unless we're still in the Cenozoic, in which case it doesn't. But it yes. does. We must be in some kind of Zoic, because I'm, I'm feeling it. And I love the, the, the cover on this, Saturn devouring his uh, son, I believe. Uh, I think yep. he let the daughter got a break on this one. <laughs> and and it's, uh, it's too bad it wasn't Fred Trump actually devouring his. It would have been, would have solved a lot yeah, of no, problems we're now, now facing. That, that's the cover of Mary Trump's book, I think. Oh. <laughs> Good one. Uh, I love your essays, and because they are, they're dealing with this, which I read before when we got wiped out from our broadcast there about uh, 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 everything these days running on a razor's, razor's edge between hilariously hilarious and hilariously tragic. Hard to figure out which side you're going to flop on each day. And then, uh, so it, for, for, it's hard to satirize satire or parody a parody maybe is a little closer to the fact and that's what you're faced with as a, as a humorist yeah no exactly and I think the 
sometimes the way of doing it is instead of thinking, well, I, if I really sort of exaggerated this, people might notice how strange it is. A lot of the people who are doing satire now, like Sarah Cooper, she, she does this too, which is like, mm. if I can just point out how bizarre this is by just presenting it as normally as I can, sometimes that's enough. Sometimes yeah. actually you're using the tools of satire to try to remind people of what, you know, used to be considered not okay to do. And the fact that it's just sort of across the board continually happening, like just because some guy walks out, you know, to his lawn and lights everything on fire and screams to the elder gods to come and he does it every Thursday. That doesn't mean it's like a normal thing to do. And you're just like, oh, I feel like we're in the mode where it's like, oh, it's Thursday. Yeah, he's doing his thing with the elder gods, like in the fires. Yeah. That's, that's just Bob. And trying to get out of the that's just Bob mentality, uh, however you can, uh, it, it's a challenge. But I think if you succeed, it, it, it yeah. can be very exciting. Yes, and added to that is the fact there's a long history of letting Donald be Donald. I mean, you, you, you know, just hands off whatever he does. If you're working for him, certainly, you don't challenge anything he says. So he, he's unfamiliar with the experience of actually being challenged on anything he says, and he has no sense of reality. So it's, that's a deadly combination. Yeah, no, he's sort of... I would think, personally, if I were in charge of a country as large and well-equipped as the United States that I would want like the best information that could be provided to me about how things were going. And I would want the most informed people to tell me things about what to do. But that's a, another of the many points on which Donald Trump and I differ. And it is interesting because I feel like he thought that once he got elected, like that you, it was the law somewhere in some hidden volume that they just had to like you once you were president. They had to be like, oh, it was yeah. presidential because the president did it and he did a good job. And like, there are still some people out there uh, in the sort of chattering, I, I was about to use the phrase chattering classes, but I caught myself in time. I won't <laughs> use it. Uh, <laughs> people out there just saying like, oh, he, he, here he is. That must've been presidential. If it, if it wasn't presidential, I don't know what it was. But Sometimes you just get to, you know, emperor's new clothes it out, where he surrounded himself by people who were def made fit by their, for their positions by being unable to admit that it isn't actually a fancy, new, wonderful fabric, unlike anything anyone's seen before. And in fact, it's sort of embarrassing. Yeah. Um, it's like at the mildest possible form, when it's not actively hurting people, which is most of the time. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and he thinks he, he's, well, uh, I guess a genius who knows that he's a genius must be a genius because he's really smart, so that would have to be the fact. But oh, yeah. No, I mean, as Socrates said, the beginning of wisdom is the knowledge that you are a stable genius. Um, yeah. I think stable is, is an odd use of, of, I've never seen stable before, genius before. That, that you, you got to look at. And yeah, that sounds like a horse. It's like, <laughs> like a counting horse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it sounds like he's known unstable geniuses or that at, maybe perhaps at times he's been an unstable genius, but, but now he's a stable genius. So, but we don't know when that transition occurred. It certainly hasn't occurred during his presidency. Yeah, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with being an unstable genius until no. you start bothering other people and bothering his... I keep choosing like the mildest possible form. Like Donald Trump is doing a... He's bothering people by doing a slightly subpar job. Um, yeah. Boy, like, look out with this, this wild verbiage here. 
Yeah. But, yeah. No, I think and he's unfortunately well past bothering people and well into, uh, oh, like, let, let's send in some fun, unidentified troop types and they'll just start pulling people off the streets into their vans. That's, that's a great use of our resources. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about that. For, let's talk about Portland sending in troops from God knows where. I'm, I'm still not convinced they're border patrol. They might be, uh, you know, Russian troops. They tend to dress, they dress that way in camouflage. When they invented, in, in, invaded the Crimea, that's exactly how they went in. Un, uh, with, with camouflage troops, no markings on them, unmarked vehicles and so forth. And that was the invasion of, of, the, of the Crimea. So I, I'm not sure who these guys are, but how, now from a humor standpoint, this isn't a, really, it's, it's a war crime. It's not a war, it's a peace crime. You know, it was made into a war, war crime. It's an atrocity. It's illegal. It's, it's abhorrent. It's something ne that never has happened before with an American president, I don't believe, unless Andrew Jackson did something like this, he might have, sending in troops against Americans. Um, so where, you know, where's the joke on that? Now, I'm, I try to wrestle with this because I do a little monologue, you know, and, and all you can do is make, you know, some lame joke about some aspect of it. Uh, you know, I said about this, well, if you ever wanted to gas and beat your mother, then the Border Patrol is a place for you, you know. But that's not very helpful, really. So, 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 how, think, so how do you handle that? Well, I, I think it's tough. It's not, you, you don't handle it. But I was trying to think of, like, is there a joke here? And the only thing I could come up with was, well, like, so you're getting pulled into this into a van off of the street and the guy in the van's like, no, 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 relax. I'm just a criminal. I'm not affiliated with the government and you do have recourse to law enforcement. Like, like the point, the, like that's the reassuring thing to hear. It's like, oh, the system's still working. My rights are still intact. Uh, this guy like wants to build a sculpture out of my mandibles to like an elk god. He's got some whole thing going on. But I know that later when I emerge, I have recourse to the state because this is America where my rights and dignities are preserved. And certainly he's not mistaking himself for law enforcement as he's doing this very criminal-ish thing. Right. So I thought maybe that's an angle in because yeah. he's like pointing out like, oh, like this, this should be the exclusive provenance of like extrajudicial monster types as opposed to like something that has the color of law. And so having like your reassuring, like plus I feel like I watched too much of those like TV shows where you have like SV, Law and Order SVU or Criminal Minds where it's just like, are there, how many serial killers are there in America in these versions of like, right. you know, they, they, that they've created? Cause like Criminal Minds, there's like a new one every week. And I'm just like, what, what would society <laughs> even look like if that were the case? Yeah. So I feel like you get a lot of elk mandible God man content. Yeah. Once I like, I like your use of elk mandibles. I, I've seen them come up in a, a couple of different pieces. I, I love a commandable. It's just a funny word to me. Like you're, so, you know, you, yeah. you, I'm sure you have the thing where you're like, just some things that aren't objectively funny are the funniest thing possible to you. And yeah, <laughs> you yeah. try to drag your listeners along screaming. <laughs> and and this is and this is your approach. And I mean, it is kind of swifty and like eating Irish babies was not really what he was proposing. You know, not really what he believed in anyway. So you, you, but you take that point of view and, and then you see how preposterous what's going on actually is. And I do think it's funny because 
I'm sure Jonathan Swift didn't get the emails I get, which are sometimes like, man, like you, you said the thing about the babies that I've been thinking for a long time and I'm just glad somebody could come out and say it. Uh, <laughs> which you hate to get emails like that, but occasionally you do and then you think, what did I do wrong? And hopefully you can, because yeah. I think there's this thing called Poe's Law that says that these days, any sufficiently committed parody is indistinguishable from just actual opinion that people are sincerely expressing. So on the internet, you have to be a little bit careful in case you like accidentally, you know, create a movement of people who are like, oh, we, we understand what's going on at this pizza parlor and we're going to send a guy. Yeah. Uh, we don't want right. that. And once again, it's hard to parody a parody. It's like if you did a thing where you said, let's, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, put children through a pizza parlor, parlor uh, sort of uh, operation, you know, as just to show you something, how, how, how the most horrible thing you could imagine saying is, is occurring. But it actually, you know, it is out there, you know, it is out there as one of these conspiracy theories. It's a hard age even to be outrageous about in, in you know, in satire. Really People like, do they think that this is actually going on? Like, of what can you not convince people? But maybe right. that's sort of 2020, one of the many problems with 2020. Uh, yeah. Like the idea that like, oh, there's like some bar past which you can't convince people. Um, I guess Abraham Lincoln is upset about his whole adage about how, what percentage of people you can fool what percentage of the time. And right. uh, probably also about the horses midstream being switched and so forth. I think yes. other Lincoln there are all kinds of metaphors colliding all over us right now. And similes. There's similes, too. Don't forget similes. You can't forget similes. Like yeah. or as is, is you know, uh, is almost as good as is. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't see any much difference. Tell, tell me, here's, here's just for my own benefit. Cancel culture is being thrown about now. First of all, I thought it meant to cancer, can, cancel, cancel culture, you know, with a, with a capital K culture. But... Um, what is it, and then how does this come up in, in what you have to deal with? Well, I feel like it's one of those things where everybody has sort of a different idea of what it is. Because some people like, oh, cancel culture is when you sent me a mean email, and other people like, cancel culture is when like I didn't get a job in the first place. And <laughs> um, so I think it, it really does, like, it, it's one of those amazing sort of discourse elephants where everybody grabs hold of the different leg of it and has uh, like very strong opinions about it. But the amazing thing about it is like how much of the internet right now is like sitting there talking about cancel culture when it's like, we're like in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> and like people are actively dying. Like we're like, there's like a huge crisis. There's unemployment, like just things like in the real world, literally and tangibly are going very badly. And everyone's like, no, but like there were some writers who like might feel at certain parties that they can't express certain opinions. And I'm like, why is this the crisis that like 90% of my, like, you know, the, the internet feed is going on about. So right. I, I sort of feel like it's like a, it is an interesting discussion of like, like what, it's sort of like people are trying to determine like, what are the bounds of like discourse and like, you know, are there certain things that like, you don't want people expressing, but like, is that really the biggest question? Yeah. Um, and sometimes people are like, you're trying to cancel me. And it's like, no, I'm trying to get you to print a factual correction because you just put an error out there and you, you had one job, which was to not put errors out there. Right. It's sort of like you're 
um, I don't know, like if someone came to me for like writing recipes and they all like including like, like put six lithium batteries and an old screwdriver in this for a wonderful cobbler. And uh, somebody said, hey, well, you know, don't include those as recipe ingredients. That's not edible. And I said, well, I trust my reader to like know I feel like you have a certain job of just like excluding things that just aren't factual from your uh, recipes and from your general presentation. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like it's the thing that we're talking about instead of talking about the other things that are. Yeah. Well, it, it's, sort, it's sort of like PC for the right. You know, people on the right are saying what's politically correct, and it's, they don't call it that, they call it cancel culture. Yeah, I feel like that's all. It's, it's sort of similar where it's also like if you. Some people say politically correct, when you actually boil it down, it's just like someone's asking you to be polite in a way that you hadn't experienced before. And you think like, oh, this is like some crusade against me. And so they came up with this term like political correctness, which, you know, sometimes you can always, of almost every phenomenon, find one like bizarre example. That, and then like the grandma watching cable television will get very upset about uh, whatever version is, or like just a, a person of any age watching cable television. Cable television is very <laughs> upsetting. Um, it can be, yeah. But, but often it's just like somebody was like, hey, like, don't say that, that's insulting. And you just have never been in a room with that person before. You, and so you're, try, you're just trying to make the room more comfortable for them. Hmm. I don't know, I feel like, a lot of it, when you actually get down to it, isn't like people are marching in. Like, people are literally marching in. <laughs> Let's worry about those. Don't worry right. about the... Right. Uh, but metaphors, as you say, are, yeah. are real, and similes yeah. are out to get you. I preferred the simile myself, because then it shows a little effort. You know, you're not saying is, you're saying, well, it's like, you know, and it could be totally unlike, but you use it anyway. So then we get to Ted uh, Yoho. Right, so what do you do about a problem like Ted? <laughs> yeah, how do you teach a snowflake how to fly? No, I'm not remembering the lyrics to that song at all. <laughs> <laughs> how do you catch a moon and pin it down? Nope, that's not it either. <laughs> um, but You're pretty good it, with references, I think. I, you know, I wish I had your reference sense. I, you know, you, you got, because you got them all over the place. I can hardly remember mine, and they're all obsolete, most of them, you know. But yeah, Ted Yoho, how do you how do you deal with something like that, and and, and his horrible manner, let's say. Yeah, speaking of yeah, bad manners, like a, a case where people are just asking you to address your colleagues with respect it seems not challenging, but it's too much for him because you see he's a patriot, as he explained. Um, and I like it was like one of those apologies that's like I'm sorry that you were offended, which is not. <laughs> an apology just if, i mean it has the words i'm sorry in it which are very you know they get your hopes up that maybe what follows them is going to be an apology but then it takes a real turn um and it turns out that he's not even going to mention the name of the person he uh insulted and furthermore he's going to uh, insist that it's just because he is he won't apologize, and then he lists things he won't apologize for, like being a patriot and loving God. And it's sort of, well, that wasn't what people were asking you to apologize for. I feel no. like you would come away from his apology with this sort of confused sense that, like, he had muttered something about 
loving America too much, and yeah. somehow his colleague had taken offense at it. It's, and it sounded like goddamn bitch. Yeah. Uh, or something even uh, more emphatic. So, yeah. Yeah, either way. Uh, and then fucking, he, fucking bitch. I can say it here because we're on, you know. Yeah, we're on know. the. And that sounded uh, like I love, I love God to him. Yeah, but like, yeah. No, exactly. It, it's an epithet that doesn't bear repeating, and it's certainly not a respectful way to refer to your colleague. To anyone. Um, yeah. And anyone. Yeah. Full stop. Colleague or not. Yes. Um, but apparently, like, that was what he thought of when he thought of, like, loving America. He's like, well, loving America to me means just let's, uh, let's insult the woman of color that I work with. So that's a sad referendum on his concept of America, but fortunately, not what it's about for everyone. What well, uh, does it say about the, the uh, quality of apology itself? <laughs> yeah, no, the, the quality of apology is very strange. Um, it's yeah. strange, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I feel like there's this wonderful art of apology that he cl seems to have mastered where by the end of it, you're just more confused than you were going in. And also you feel like maybe he's the person who was really offended. And it's a, quite a like a double axle, triple lutz, if you can pull it off. Wow. Um, but uh, fortunately, I think anyone who was paying attention realized that that wasn't actually what had gone on. But he gave it the old college try for sure. Yeah, Ted. I, I, I love that this, this count he did on uh, if we'd uh, just given up on other things the way we have on the coronavirus. To me, that was an amazing approach to that. Looking at, so if we, we totally, or the administration, Trump certainly, gave up on it from the beginning, is still giving up on it, even though he's making these little ridiculous gestures. Yeah. Um, so what if we had given up on the Great Depression like we did on the coronavirus? And, and I mean, that's an amazing approach to take. Oh, thank you. No, you just... It's one of these things where I, I keep trying to think, is there something I can do to remind people of how bizarre this is? Because you know, the depression, it's like, well, right. yeah, we're not going to make any effort to relieve the economic suffering. We're just going to act as though it's already over. and Maybe it'll go away on its own. Like, if you want to build the dam, sure, but we're not going to compensate you in any way. Um, oh, yeah, or just, you know, D-Day, well, we're not going to send anyone, but we're convinced that, like, maybe they're sick of it and they're going to... Oh, the Germans will get tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. After ex being exposed to like summer and the rays of the sun, that, that, that'll probably do it. Um, and yeah, or like the Marshall Plan, it's like, well, we have a plan for rebuilding Europe, but it will require effort. So instead, maybe we'll just leave it. Leave it. Just. It'll take care of itself. Yeah, no, exactly. Like the moon landing, you know, just, just getting to the moon is success enough. I don't like a return plan seems excessive and burdensome. Right. And but yeah, or you know, what if we did nothing about like like what if we just decided that gun violence was gonna be a perennial problem? Yeah. <laughs> she said staring hollowly into the camera as realization <laughs> dawned upon her. Uh, yeah, or, or or climate change. Right. Yeah. Reconstruction. Yeah, yeah. no. We, uh, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going to. Yeah, there's, it's, there's nothing like a humor column to make you just 
feel Ups upset. Yeah, right, you know, <clears throat> because you know, because you want all right. Now the people who get this will get this, and they would have gotten it, and they are on the right side to begin with. The people who will read that and get and not let's say they don't think it's literal, but they still won't get it. And the fact that it's like what's happening now, you know, they still won't make that. So I mean, it's a little bit frustrating, you know, because you're sort of preaching to the choir in a way. Yeah, um, no, it's because I often get like people who will say, like, why can't you just say something good about it? like we're sick of you saying bad things about the president? I'm like, well, I'm sick of the president just deciding that maybe the pandemic will go away on its own and getting yeah. making all the governors come and like grovel to him in order to get basic supplies and blaming and sort of like what, what if we experimented with just like extreme federalism? Like suddenly everything is up to the states and nothing's up to me. Um, like what a time, I, I don't know, I'm sick of that, but I don't have any control over that. So what I do have a control over is I can say he's doing a bad job instead of a good job. And I'm going right. to keep doing that. You can infer it. Yeah. <laughs> Comically <laughs> infer that perhaps he's not doing the best job. This thing on opening schools is, is amazing to me. And once again, it's a thing that, I mean, how do you deal with it? you know, comically or humorously or offhandedly. And they t and, 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 and Betsy, uh, is it DeVos or DeVos? I don't really care, but uh, <laughs> DeVos. DeVos, probably, yeah, yeah. Said that uh, only like 1% or point, I forget what it was, of, of students would actually die if we reopened schools. And it was like 14,370 children would die for economic benefit that it would provide the rest of the country, which is also not even true, you know. Uh, how do you deal with so something that horrendous about our own children, you know? Well, of course the grandparents had their chance and not wanting to be outdone. Um, <laughs> it's a new field of, yeah. If, if you regretted that you had but one grandparent to give for your country, now, uh, <laughs> well, get right. excited because we're expanding that opportunity Getting both both ends, just yeah. leaving the, the Trump middle. Yeah, no, exactly. You can be a hero instead of just reading about one in a musty textbook. Um, right. But no, I think it, what's so frustrating about it is it's not that people don't want, don't think like going back to school is a great idea and is good to have happen for parents who are at the end of their ropes and for the economy. It's just like if we planned at all, if we sort of just done any planning and figured out there's there is a way to do this safely if you have resources and time and planning and it's just like we're just gonna what if we simply did what if it, instead of thinking about there must be a way to do this safely if we're careful and thoughtful just being careful and thoughtful is just so anathema to them they're like well we're just gonna d march them all in there and be really uh and ignore it data so like yeah no testing except your usual pop quizzes and like, let's yell at the CDC to say that instead of, if the guidelines say you shouldn't reopen, you shouldn't reopen, like maybe the guidelines should be different. It's just, right. it's mind boggling. It's like, you can't fix it in post, it's people. But Donald Trump has this very reality TV attitude where you, he thinks of like maybe in the editing room, you can sort of, if you just say loudly enough what you think is happening, it can be what happened. And it, that's yeah. not, how, you can't get people back that way. Yeah, but did you see the CDC apparently, I don't know if this is real or fake news, now said that reopening schools is, is what they want to see happen. 
that this is all about getting the schools reopened. That's from the CDC, the latest thing I saw. No, and I mean, and they had this press conference where the director came out and he said, well, uh, we don't want the guidelines to stand in the way of reopening schools, <laughs> which, I mean, he's, he's trying, but I mean, you sort of do want them to stand in the way of reopening schools if the school can't reopen safely. But I mean, ultimately, I would like, it, it's sort of like, I think Sean Doolittle, one of the baseball players said, that baseball is the reward of a functioning society. And so it's sort of weird that we're having baseball before we're functioning. But like now it, it, with schools, it's like, well, let's, we, we should be, school is one of the things you need for a functioning society, but also is the product of a functioning society. So it's sort of, if we can't get our act together, we can't suddenly be like, well, if we get rid of the funding for the schools, that'll make them, it'll be even easier for them to reopen for sure. And it's not just like the kids, it's, you know, also teachers are people. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's wild. It's, ah, it's yeah. terrifying. Well, uh, I, I like the fact that you can also be a pigeon on a Confederate statue. I think that's, that's remarkable. Oh, uh, I... I did you, did you know that was in your book? Yes, it's, it's uh, I'll, I'll tell you the page and everything. It's 208. It might be the last thing in the book, actually. But I, I, was... I think it is. No, because I was like, well, you know, amidst all this discussion about taking down statues, I was wondering, well, who's definitely, whose opinion do I definitely know on this will be unambiguously pro these statues? And I thought <laughs> long and hard, and I thought a pigeon. A pigeon <laughs> is the per person. <laughs> yeah. That is the entity that's going to be committed to keeping all of these statues. And so, yeah, no, yeah. I just... I, wrote an entire very goofy piece about, well, certainly yeah. the reason to keep this is because of history and not because I have a beautiful nest of hatchlings still very vulnerable in the early stages of becoming birds. Yeah. I don't want to disturb. I think, you know, the pigeon has a point. I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> can I ask, can I ask you to read it? I, I, you know, just so, so people can get a sense of, you know, this, this, well, I may not be a very, the most important of discussions, but the statue thing has been pretty important. But it, it shows how you work, and it's, it's rather brilliant, I think. Oh, sure. I'll whip it out. Yes, yeah, called, I'm in favor of Confederate statues. I am definitely not a pigeon. <laughs> Two reasons I am definitely not here protesting the removal of this Confederate statue. Because I'm a white supremacist who wants to protect a racist legacy, or because I'm a pigeon who has laid an egg on this statue somewhere. Listen, like you, I'm a human being. I have zero feathers, but many gangly appendages covered in skin, and I am flightless. Yet in spite of this, I love these statues, and not because their little metal hats are great places in which to build a foundation of carefully selected twigs, twine, and assorted debris, then lay a warm, beautiful egg that will someday hatch into a magnificent, glorious bird, the king of the air. I am one of the very fine people whom President Trump was talking about. Definitely a person who was there to protest the taking down of the statue for human reasons that had nothing to do with racism or the nest of vulnerable white eggs currently exposed in that Confederate general's hat. I am a human being like you, a featherless biped with hairs all over my epidermis, and I'm not a racist. I don't know what the word racism means. Also, I don't see color. I perceive light on the ultraviolet spectrum, as everyone here does, I hope. 
That is how we humans perceive light, I'm pretty sure. Getting rid of these statues would be for the birds, an expression I use in its derogatory sense, as we humans often do. Like so many of us here, I do not have a racist bone in my body, though if I did, that racist bone would definitely be dense and not hollow. I just want to protect my nest egg. Not a literal egg in a nest, of course, but one of those metaphorical nest eggs we human beings are always so upset about. Economic anxiety? Yes, I, I have that. That is what I have. My nest egg, again, is metaphorical, not literally on the statue right now, vulnerable and exposed with its shell open to the elements. Keep that torch away from what is definitely not my only genetic legacy, but a beautifully constructed nest that is unaffiliated with me, a human protester. <laughs> this is a normal request from me, a human, perched here with you in solidarity on my two appendages. I am not here to fan the flames of hatred, an action that I would do with hands and not wings, obviously. I'm not a hawk nor a dove. I am not a bird at all. Again, I'm not affiliated with any sort of organization with coup or clucks in its name, neither for racist reasons, nor for the reason that these are noises that a bird would make. I distance myself from both of those things equally. Like so many of you, when I look at this statue, I do not see a figure of hate. I don't see a figure at all, honestly. More of a blur. And that is not because I am viewing it from above while soaring aloft on the wings that are the greatest boon that can be bestowed by nature. But for another reason that I don't need to spell out. Like all of you, I just want to keep this statue here for reasons that have nothing to do with wanting to defecate on it, lay eggs on it, or perch on it to preen my beautiful gray feathers. Or, of course, racism. Those are just a few of the multiple reasons that I do not have for wanting this statue to stay exactly where it is conveniently located near a man on a bench who often eats french fries. A fellow man, I should say. <laughs> a fellow very fine being who has hideous bone protrusions at the opening to his alimentary canal that he uses to masticate food, just as I do. This isn't a pigeon issue. This statue doesn't provide sucker to just racists and pigeons. Who among us has not sheltered here during a high wind and enjoyed a french fry he or she found on the sidewalk and lifted with great effort? I don't think anyone seeing this statue would reasonably think I'm not welcome here. Unless other statues, unlike other statues that carry boom boxes and move and demand money and raise their hideous featherless wings to strike at those good citizens who would land on them, these statues are peaceful and quiet. They're just crying out to be perched on, either by humans, like myself, or sparrows, whom I spite as good for nothings. It is to me, as it is to me, as Trump says, not tweets. I, a human, would not understand the tweet. A very, very important statue. I am a human person, very fine, and I am not here because of racism. I just want to protect the statue at all costs. Yes, I am a hardworking American who struggles all day and then goes home to vomit food into my children's mouths, and I am sick to see what we are doing to this absolutely non-polarizing landmark. Please don't photograph me. Not because I'm ashamed to be here, because I am not, or because if there is a flash, I will fly up into the sky in great alarm. I will not do that either, definitely. I just do not like photos. Oh, God, flap, 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 flap. Get away, get away. <laughs> okay. I love it. Talk me, I'm a pigeon. I'm not sure I, what these people are doing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Swift would have loved it. <laughs> really. He, he would have taken credit yeah, he, for that one. Oh. Well, that's very nice of you. Yeah.
Can I, I know you, you probably have things to do and, and so forth, but I, I, I think it, we, we would be remiss if we would not go to uh, playing the woman card. Because so much about what is going on now, what's going on wrong, and what is heard from these people is just blatantly woman-hating or whatever, or total disrespect to the point of hatred, as, as certainly unless it's the, the, their, yeah. their, their brand, you know. Um, and playing it all, I don't know if it didn't all start, I mean, it's been there in the background. Some of your wonderful writing about the, what goes on in meetings, what women say in meetings. Or what women would, uh, or what a wo woman would have had to say in great American quotations. Uh, oh, that's yeah. a, that's that's a fabulous one too. Uh, can we can you do one? Of, okay. Which one would you like to do? Which one is your own personal favorite? Is it the the woman with the Ooh. quotations, or the meeting thing, or the playing the woman card? Let me see. I well, I've I've found the woman in a meeting, so I feel like as long yeah. as I've got that open, that's great. let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> um. So here's yeah, famous quotes the way a woman ought to say them in a meeting. Right? I took the liberty of translating some famous sentences into the way a woman would have to phrase them to avoid being heard as angry, threatening, or bitchy. So, give me liberty or give me death would be, Dave, if I could, I, I could just, I just really feel like if we had liberty, it would be terrific. And the alternative would just be terrible, you know? That's just how it strikes me. I don't know. I have a dream today would be, I'm sorry, I, I just had this idea. It's probably crazy. But look, just as long as we're throwing things out here, I had sort of an idea or vision about maybe the future. <laughs> or Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall. I'm sorry, Mikhail, if I could, didn't mean to cut you off there. Can we agree that this wall maybe isn't doing what it should be doing? Just looking at everything everyone's been saying, it seems like we could consider removing it. Possibly. I don't know. What does the room feel? <laughs> or the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I have to say, I'm sorry, I have to say this. I don't think we should be as scared of non-fear things as maybe we are, if that makes sense. Sorry, I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> I came, I saw, I conquered. I don't want to toot my own horn here at all, but I definitely have been to those places and was just honored to be a part of it as our team did such a wonderful job of conquering them. <laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I'm sorry, it really feels to me like we're all equal, you know? I just feel really strongly on this. I have not yet begun to fight. Dave, I'm not gonna fight you on this. I will be heard. Sorry to interrupt. No, go on, Dave. Finish what you had to say. So, I love it. Yeah, I hope you're not offended by any of those remarks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, it's just amazing. And right on the money, I think. Uh, nothing. By the way, Tom Petrie's daughter. Yes. I didn't that fantastic. Sure. Our, our con we're, I'm here in Wisconsin, you know, and you was, well, you were up in Fond du Lac, right? Did you actually live in Wisconsin? Did you grow up in, in Washington, I suppose? I, I mean, I grew up back and forth. Uh, yeah. So I, I've been in more parades in Wisconsin than you can, sh shake, a, than you can shake a stick at. But I, I went to uh, like high school in DC, just because that way you get to see your dad during the week. Yeah, um, cool. So. Cool, and Tom Petrie was a great congressman. And uh, when Republicans were actually 
good people and good legislators, you know, and could act, we would talk to them and they were, you could access him. Wonderful. Yeah. Yes, so my best. Uh, nothing is wrong and here is why. Alexandra Petri, thank you so much. Sorry for all the delays. Oh, thank um, you. No, I, thank you for sticking with me uh, through the, my laptop snafus. Yes. I'm definitely not a pigeon. I want you to know that. We're trying to engineer, <laughs> but it, it seems like I might be. Thank you again. Thank you. This was really fun.